So this uh, morning's Dharma talk is titled uh, Hidden Thoughts. So I'm not sure if thoughts could be actually hidden because if they were hidden, you wouldn't know there were thoughts. So it's a little bit of a confusing uh, statement or title. But what I am pointing at or endeavoring to point at is the way there's a very, very subtle, very thin, subtle production of the thinking process that is has a, a low, a very low frequency to it so that we can't actually see that we're continually reaffirming a self. The self, uh, the individual, the self, the ego mind, the narcissistic mind, the seventh consciousness, the klesha mind is uh, unreal. It doesn't mean that it's not showing up. It's unreal, just like a scary movie. The difficulty with it is that we we grasp onto that. We think it actually is substantial that and that the thoughts that arise in that domain are are authentic are true and they get a hold of us and re reify take the your very buddha nature your incredibly enlightened radiant receptive fundamental nature and twist it up into knots it doesn't really twist it up into knots exactly. It just uses the energy that is uh, that belongs to no one. And it, because of the nature of dependent origination, because of the nature of relative uh, truth, Samvriti Satya, it seems that we need to do some work there because there's been a whole lot of work going the other direction, loading that whole area up with ideas, conceptions, opinions, uh, delusion, uh, prejudice, extreme prejudice. All we have to do is see something that's different and prejudice starts to arise. So I don't know if you've noticed this or not, or if you would even agree with me, and I don't mind if you disagree, but you can't actually get rid of prejudice. You can't meditate away uh, your eyeballs. You can't meditate away. Anything that's dependently arisen is going to be around as long as this lifetime is here, as long as you're continuing to breathe so what do we do with that? Uh, I had someone say to me yesterday, um, ask me, say, why do you just keep repeating yourself all the time? You say the same thing over and over and over again. I said, yeah, that's true. I do. I said, well, I can, I can give you one reason. There's several, but I'll give you the main one is uh, you don't get it. And you need to hear it over and over and over again. Because if you got it, why would you be here? Why would you say, ah, I got that. If you get what I'm saying, Say goodbye. But you may not because someone points at something and you keep looking at the finger. What? Why is it pointing that way? Why are the other other three uh, pointing backwards? Shouldn't you point with all fingers if you really mean it? Are you really sincere, Sokazan? Sometimes I think you're just kidding us. I probably am. So I say it over and over again. I realize it's pretty boring to me, too. It's definitely boring to Unio. She writes everything down. She practically goes to sleep in the middle of a sentence, the one she's writing. But I endeavor to say it in different ways. But this is one of the reasons. Not, there's others here, but one of the reasons I really like questions. I mean, I'm going to talk for a little while here, but because questions, to the chemistry that you have in your life and your lifetimes coming together with a chemistry that has been uh, uh, doing a lot of investigating over in this direction, 
bringing it together may be some help for you and possibly for others who don't know how to ask that particular question. And when they hear the this person's response to that person's question, sometimes that that's really uh, helpful, maybe more meaningful and more um, connects more with the person that's not even asking the question. And the person who's asking the question might be just thinking, there he goes again, repeating himself over and over again. You get so sick of that. You know what I'm saying. You, you know exactly what I'm saying. Hidden thoughts. Uh, subtle production of something else, something else. You might be totally unreceived sitting and facing the wall or listening to this Dharma talk. You might be re really receiving this, but there's something else that's jumping on board. That's what you need to look for. And it's not about getting rid of that. Oh, my goodness. You mean I can't get rid of that crap? No. Don't even try. Get rid of nothing. When I say that, also, don't grab on to anything. As much as you can, don't do anything. Don't do anything unless you absolutely have to, unless the causes and conditions that arise as your particular karma, your TikTok, come up and hit you so that you have to do that. If it's if it's if you're really operating in that way, you won't even have to explain it to someone. You won't even say I had to do that. You'll just probably won't respond to them at all when they say, why did you do that? You won't even say I had to. You might just raise your one of your eyebrows and go to the refrigerator. So the idea here is to <clears throat> sitting, sitting practice of meditation and watch the very, very subtle. The more you meditate. There won't be a gaining idea in terms of the seventh consciousness of the ego. The narcissism, narcissism is going to begin to slowly starve the self-centeredness because it, it gets its fuel from joining and opposition, war and peace, TikTok. It gets its, it gets its, it gets its fuel from opposition and, uh, and uh, oneness. That's why I say, don't, don't say one, that's ego's word, because the ego mind wants to control things. So it feels if it tunes into that kind of philosophy, there can be some kind of a fundamental control where the ego can say, well, we're all one. So ego's unreal. So therefore I can still be here. The kind of ego still being there that I talk about when I say you don't have to get rid of that is it, it is completely power, powerless. It may show up. The only time the ego is going to show up is when the the fundamental path, if you are on the path of the bodhisattva to be with all things, save all beings, put others before yourself. If you're on that path, then the very nature of, of uh, confusion showing up as the ego, the very nature of identity showing up as something that is totally unreal, but looks scary or looks comforting or looks humorous, looks, 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 appearance, appearance, appearance. It's not pure appearance. It's contaminated appearance, contaminated by uh, everything. The Four Noble Truths, Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links, anything you grasp onto, anything you practice, uh, until you understand what it means to practice that is going to be fuel for self-centeredness or spiritual materialism. So the idea there is you sit down and you you watch the thoughts arise come and go about uh, why the neighbor looked at you funny when you walked up the driveway and uh, uh, if your uh, your aunt or one of your relatives is uh, is how their health is coming various various kind of thoughts that have a 
a, a little touch and go feeling to them. They, they show up and they, they vanish and they show up. And then one may show up that it's about maybe your, your uh, employee, a job, uh, employer, a coworker situation, something about that. The political politics there are difficult or abrasive or threatening. You, you may, when that shows up, just kind of in passing as you're sitting, uh, you may go into that and mix it up a little bit. You may push down on something. You don't want to think about that. You want to meditate. Well, that is meditating the way I teach it. There are people that would disagree. They can disagree all they want. And you can go to, you can go agree with them if you want to. But I'm saying you need to watch what moves instead of think about what, what moves or identify what moves. Or, or even say, thinking like uh, I was taught early on uh, 45, 50 years ago, uh, label thinking, return to the breath. Don't do that. And that being said, if you feel like that's something you want to do, you know, go do it. Maybe, maybe for you, that's something you do need to do. What do I say? I say, whatever's moving, that's your object of meditation. And for, uh, uh, for Mayun or for uh, Hakaran or, or for uh, Sogon, that, oh, that may be a totally different thing. If you're comparing notes somehow, you might say, that's, that's not happening to me at all. That's, I don't even know what you're talking about. Very necessary to, uh, to see what is happening rather than object to it, agree with it, or look away. I'll say it again. Those are the three poisons. Very simple. This is, the, this is what I was accused of repeating myself. Yep, repeating myself again. The three poisons. Uh, I'm repeating myself over and over again when I say you do not have to get rid of those. And if you, you're hearing what I'm saying, you probably are going to notice that the last few thoughts you had 20 minutes ago, three hours ago, you were trying to push something away. How do I know about it? I do it. Nothing has changed. The fundamental nature doesn't need to change. Change is about uh, relative truth. Realization is not an event. I'm not saying there aren't experiential aspects to it. Of course, there's going to be experiential aspects. You're no longer jumping on one bus after another, catching one plane out of town after another, trying to get somewhere, get somewhere, get somewhere. So just observe. As a Trump Rinpoche, his way of saying it, uh, with it was... Uh, Make friends with yourself. In other words, the negativity that you're trying to get rid of, you're not going to get rid of that. You might cover it up. You might cover it up chemically. You might cover it up physically. You might cover it up uh, by playing uh, uh, Frisbee. You might cover it up by uh, engaging in really difficult processes that, that take up the energy of the mind, like chess. Nothing wrong with chess. Chess just takes a, a lot of a uh, certain kind of, uh, I would call it abstract uh, thinking. And some people are extremely gifted and extremely good at that. So people who are good at that don't go out and, and practice and play football. Just like people that play football and are really good at that are not going to go. I know I'm repeating myself again, but I'm just saying that just notice what you're drawn to and notice what you reject. Please just observe that. Don't don't improve. If you see what this is, you won't need to improve because all the negativity you were trying to get rid of and you were objecting to is connected with a belief, a very subtle hidden belief, hidden belief in someone that's here. You are not here, nor are you, you are neither here, nor are you not here. That's why it's so damn hard because what is here is uh, uh, suchness, fundamental presence. Tathagata Garba. It's in every leaf. 
It's in every nose. It's in every sunbeam. It's in everything. It's in everything. It is everything. It's not only just in it. It is. There isn't anything separate from anything else. It just looks that way. And it's an incredible illusion. And those who are creative use use that illusory nature of your experience, our experience, their experience to go in and move things around in such a way that 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 expression uh, of, uh, of Buddha nature, without even the name Buddha nature, just awakened, awakened nature starts to come through your writing, starts to come through your painting, starts to come through your dancing, through your teaching, through your interaction with your fellow humans or aliens. I'll leave anybody out. You don't have to call them aliens. They're just beings. There isn't anything you can think of that doesn't exist. If you think otherwise, you're wrong, basically. But it might take you a while to understand what I'm saying, because when I say you're wrong, you're also correct. That's why we have two eyes. Two nostrils. One mouth. (laughs) So if we had two mouths, then I probably wouldn't even be here. I'd be too busy talking to myself. Two ears, two eyes, two nostrils, one mouth. Is that, you know, I mean, it's not even a joke. Or is it? Maybe it is a joke. Maybe it's a transcendental piece of humor. So the idea here, by practicing, by looking, and maybe using this dynamic, if it, if it seems helpful to you, this simple dynamic of the, that there's something in the consciousness as you're going along and meditating, just to, to use that part first, we can talk about post-meditation in a minute. As you're sitting still and holding still, what you're going to see is an incredibly dense, to use the metaphor, forest of ideas, opinions, thoughts, hopes, fears. Don't look away. Don't look away artificially by covering it up or going to your breath so you don't have to think about that. I'm not saying you can't go to the breath. Just don't turn it into a... a uh, an outpost where you continually to run away and back into the outpost. When I say stay somewhere, I'm saying, I'm not saying actually maintain or stay or fixate. I'm just saying, don't do anything. Don't miss your life. Your life is actually all the training that you need. If you hear what I'm saying, all you, all the training you that you need is in your mind. You can train yourself. You do this yourself. It is a do it yourself project. It's a transcendental do it yourself spiritual path and the base uh, that was what the buddha basically taught to his monks it's about seeing the truth and so incredibly profoundly and deeply and accurately and succinctly that you you don't see anything else this is why it's called not just in this tradition but in the ancient uh, indian tradition the advaita advaita means two advaita means not two not to. So uh, I don't know if you've drawn this con- conclusion, but I'm going to help you with it. Math is useless. Oh, well, unless you're counting fruit, which have the appearance of being 15 apples, eight oranges, 23 grapes. 23 grapes, by the way, that's exactly how many grapes are on our grapevine this year. 23. You know how many leaves are on there? 5,682 million. I'm just guessing, of course. But they're just, it just wants to just make leaves, make leaves, make leaves. But it doesn't really want to make grapes. What the hell's going on there? Is something wrong? 
No, nothing is wrong. It's just dependent origination. There's, if you conclude anything about it, I'm not saying you can't go back and do something to the soil or, do, or, or, or cut it back in a different way where you'll have more grapes, of course. But there's nothing wrong. And so when you have negative feelings coming up in your mind stream that, uh, uh, that tend to get covered up by the, the tarpaulin of uh, beliefs, opinions, ideas, judgments, evaluations, ratiocinations, conglomerations, and guilt, look at that covering. You don't even have to pull it back. If you just look at it because the truth, the truth of the situation will, uh, it can't, it can't stand up under that fire. It's like an incredibly bright light. This, this uh, uh, light of prajna or the wisdom mind, the wisdom mind that has been uh, liberated by you looking at a wall. Don't miss your life. Find out who you are. Find out who you are so you don't, you don't have to get your identity from other people, from your society, from your culture, from your uh, credentials, from other people's uh, opinions, ideas. Oh, yeah, doing pretty well. That's a nice compliment. I don't think you're doing so well. You seem to be missing the boat. We're going to stop giving you a paycheck. You know what I'm saying. It's everywhere. And a lot of that is we're projecting onto others. We actually give other people the energy that they need to condemn us or reject us or be aggressive with us. Lots of room for questions there, my friends. If you have questions, I would be happy to respond. Hakaran bowing. Yes, Hakaran. When we look at the way we cover up something or, you know, when you're talking about negativity and start blaming, when we actually stop and look at that, for me, it tends to like disappear immediately. I can't even find it. Does that mean it's gone? <clears throat> just means it, it just means it's disappeared. Doesn't necessarily mean it's gone. No conclusion. See, when you say, does that mean it's gone? That your question is telling me you want to conclude something about that. If you want to conclude anything, I don't give a shit what it is. Pardon my, uh, my use of, uh, um, that, um, um, kind of what's that called swearing <laughs> pardon me <laughs> but if you want if you want anything else the very nature think of the buddhist teaching life is suffering in other words nerve endings that get abraded difficult no no guarantee of happiness or pleasure or anything once you're born you think of a little baby being born you immediately think well i hope everything works out i hope mom and dad stay healthy i hope the society stays healthy i hope there's jobs i hope there's money i hope there's food hope 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 Always looking for some kind of protection. And so uh, the, the very nature of your question is, is, uh, shows up as not understanding the Four Noble Truths. It's that simple. I teach the Buddha's Dharma as far as I can tell. I'm not teaching Soto Zen Dharma or Chinese Chan or Tibetan Buddhism. I'm teaching the Buddha's Dharma. Everything is dependently arisen. Nothing comes from its own side as an individual. And so what happens there is when when we start to hear what it is that when I start to hear, you start to hear what's happening there is we want something else. The elseness of the second noble truth, the cause of suffering, uh, whatever is showing up, we don't want that. We want something else because we have ideas and judgments, opinions about that very simple perception that are not acceptable because they don't reinforce the, the one who is looking for something what better. Want to conclude. So when you say, does that mean it's not going to come back? No guarantee. 
The interesting, here's what, here's what can happen. One other thing I'll say before you can ask another question. Here's something I can say that when things either come back, whoa, that's pretty good, or they stay away, well, that's not so good. You, if you have transcended this world while you're still in it, you won't care what happens. This doesn't mean you will be dismissive, inconsiderate, unmagnanimous, uh, or uh, drawing away energy from anyone. You'll be totally generous and productive and help anything that needs your help. You're there, you're, uh, you're hucker to help anyone. But you're no longer looking for a pat on the back and a pat on the head. You're no longer looking for any feedback from it. You, you're, you're just there. It's called service and it's called the Bodhisattva path. Now you can ask your question, Hakaran. But Hakaran buying, it always disappears, but then it comes back. It's kind of like trying to find something that keeps going behind a tree and disappearing and then coming back. And Hidden thoughts. Just, it's a title, Hidden Thoughts. That's that's what I'm talking about. So and what, what do we do with that? Don't add to it. Don't add another layer of thought about how it keeps going away. That actually prevents it. But then you're buying into the scenario. It's like you're going backstage, you're talking to the playwright, and you're saying, yeah, I've noticed this happens. This, yeah, that's a great line. I think I'll use that. Yeah, it goes behind a tree. I mean, it's I'm being silly, but I'm saying it's like that. It's just stay in the front row. You paid your admission. Otherwise, you wouldn't be a living being. Sit down in the front row. Just observe. Applaud when it's necessary. Boo when it's necessary. And go get popcorn when it's necessary. Stay in the front row. No extremes. Just receive whatever's happening. Whatever aspect of your consciousness is waltzing across the stage to stab another person or lop off their head, stay in the front row. You may have to kill somebody. And if you don't understand what that means, I'm ready to respond to that. Or any other question? There are some questions from Susan in Traverse City. Thank you. Our first question is, does dependent arising have a frequency? Does it happen often or does it have a vibration to it? Um, it's, it's all the time. It, it doesn't have to do with time. It's just the nature of this. It, we, we refer to dependent because we need to point out the things that look separated or parts. But every part you see is dependent on everything else. This can't be here without a tree. And it can't be without a, a someone who this. It can it can't show up in front of you without hands holding it up. Dependent, dependent, dependent. We impute the we impute that there's someone because we have eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, mind complex. We impute that this is a being. We're not saying there isn't consciousness isn't showing up here, but your actual identity is being covered up by hope and fear, right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, passion, aggression, ignorance. So this is why we. Uh, look deeply into that. If you if you want to elaborate in your question, maybe you're asking me something else. Her second question is, is the lower frequency you have described a constant feature? Nothing is constant, but it appears that way. So the lower uh, frequency or the hidden uh, uh, hidden thought patterns that are happening that you're correct. I did describe it that way. I didn't know if you're referring to that or not, but yes, it's, it's hidden in that uh, it's, it's not, doesn't mean we can't eventually see it or, or, or be aware of it, but it's going to take some time because you have to go through layers of junk. That's why some uh, path to the, to see it, to 
understand the Buddha's Dharma is quite often called a garbage pit. You have to, if you want to see the jewel, it's not separate from the garbage pit, but you have to look at a lot of garbage. Start out with your mind. I know that you'd like to criticize your neighbor, or your friend, or your relative, and possibly your mate or yourself. But and I'm not saying don't. I'm not saying stop doing any of that. But include mind training. Sit down, unplug the damn food processor, processor mind, and watch all the crap fall to the bottom. And it won't necessarily go away. Some of it will go behind a tree, like uh, Hakaramas. Some of it when you just watch it. You have no agenda. There's no, you don't, you don't have a, you don't have a plane ticket for anybody. You just observe what come, comes. It's, it's a very, it can be boring for a while. And then it can be kind of, uh, kind of entertaining and that you, there are things about the nature of the mind that you, you never saw before because you now the actual progeny you know, the technical word used in ancient times for uh, the insight that crosses over this and that, 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 uh, that paramita, prajna paramita, that, that sees through this and that, uh, actually starts to drop down more and more levels into a deep, deep. And I do that. I say this uh, by contrast. It's not actually deep. It's right on the surface, because if it were actually deep, then we back we back into uh, a very uh, firm and validated version of relative truth. And I'm not interested in that, unless it shows up. If it shows up, I don't fight with it. Don't fight with anything. It may get very refined and you may feel like you're very, your Mahavipassana is completely expansive and you're including the whole universe and you're having really strong kind of almost romantic feelings about the nature of your, the outlay of your incredible insight, your, your understanding of shunyata and non-duality. That theater will not last. Might be a double feature, as they were in the whole in the old days, or it might be uh, ten ten uh, ten uh, hour long. Uh, um, what do they call them? Episodes. <laughs> so it might last a long time, but nothing lasts. Susan's third question is: Can that also be called the subconscious? The what? The subconscious? Only if you're uh, uh, Carl Gustav Jung, or only if you're a psychologist, or only if you're taking and chopping up the consciousness in such a way that you're trying to control it. So it's there's nothing as sub. There are no subs. And, and that being said, I'll, I'll give it some uh, consideration in saying that is the way that in the West they have talked about the subconscious, which they actually think it's part of the brain. Whereas uh, since ancient times, thousands of years, uh, those those sages of ancient times, including the Buddha, have known and know directly. It's a direct perception that uh, this body-mind complex is not a, a container of consciousness. Con this uh, consciousness is a container for this body-mind. There isn't anything but consciousness. This is just uh, one of its thumbs. If you see it, you're done. If you don't see it, keep practicing. Laura Bowie. That's Laura. What is the sameness? Wait, 
What is the difference or the sameness of awareness and consciousness? Bowing. Yeah. So um, awareness is a, an aspect uh, of consciousness that seems we seem to be able to direct it, like we can move our hand from here to there. So we have some say so. And if we're we're sitting here uh, holding still, the consciousness, the awareness part is usually uh, the, the thinking process and the hope and fear aspect of the mind and the, and the, the lusting and the craving and the passion, aggression, ignorance kind of uh, is kind of a, the, that is kind of a, a, just like a heat sink. It's like a, it absconds with the, the awareness aspect of it, that dynamic of consciousness that, that actually just receives and it turns it into a producer. It takes that energy and uh, produces what thoughts and ideas and opinions and judgments and prejudice and, and conviction about the, the, they deserve that because look what they did. And uh, you, you need a spanking because look what you just did over there. Look, why, now why did you spill that milk? You ever get that existential question when you were four years old and, and, and go into, Hmm, why did I spill that milk? Now let me see. Uh, clumsy. So the awareness is an aspect of consciousness that you, that actually can uh, be directed. Whereas consciousness itself uh, is uh, it, it, there's any place that that isn't uh, isn't at or isn't in or isn't as so top of the computer is consciousness. If that's the part you're at, did I miss it? Was it consciousness awareness? Was there another word that I missed there? No, that that was good. Thank okay. you. Yeah. So one is just like the consciousness that's in your stomach digesting your food. Uh, it's you, you don't have to go down there. And ch you know, you don't want to be put in charge of your body. You, you would be dead because you would freak out. You would not know how to control blood sugar or blood flow or body temperature. And when a germ came in, you would immediately go to, and you'd lose because your way of going to war is extremely primitive. You think you need weapons. It's changing. It would just use that. I don't have to say anymore. Just use that, that, uh, that war and that weapon metaphor and see how it's not quite like that anymore. The weapon actually doesn't belong to anyone anymore or doesn't have the illusion of belonging to someone. The, we the weapon is, uh, uh, they actually use the nature, the confusion of the consciousness. This is what they're doing with the Uyghurs. I don't want to get into politics, but they're retraining them in such a way that they actually, their life is about being a servant of the state. So there's no, no conflict there. Just my idea about it. I'm probably all completely confused, and I don't mind. It's about control, and and our, the same thing. When you sit on face the wall, look how you want to get control of yourself, and what does that imply? That there's a self. Liberate yourself from the cage of your afflictions, as is described by uh, Nagarjuna in his uh, in praise of Dharmadhatu, written in I think the first century of the Common Era. Find out, find out, look at this cage. Don't open it, don't close it. Don't reinforce the bars, don't count them. Do nothing but observe it because, because of dependent origination, because of the fundamental nature of reality, which is uh, not two things. Uh, when you begin to see that, all the power that you need to do anything is completely available to you in line with the particular manifestation that is uh, represented by your particular lifetime, your 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 incarnation, your being. Just like you can't, I can't just decide to be an opera singer. And opera singers don't decide; it's foisted upon them. 
they find that they can't chop wood. They're not good at it. They hurt themselves. So they start singing opera. So it's uh, um, being a Dharma teacher is foisted upon me. I did not choose this. It might look like I did, but I did not. Further questions are good if you have them. Kevin Bowing. So Kazan, early when I began meditating, I did receive the instruction of labeling thinking and coming back to the breath. And even though I now oh, <laughs> I was said obey you. All right. <laughs> uh I still feel that that old instruction is kind of baked in. Okay. And when I find that I'm quote unquote lost in thought or absorbed in some movement, there is still that kind of reflex of like being caught with my hand in the cookie jar. I can help you. And so, okay, go ahead. Don't worry about it. And the reason I say that is, uh, is it's always about awareness. It's not about what you do, but I prefer to start people out by just looking at the wall. So it's a very minimal a radical form of awareness practice. But I have people who, uh, students that, that basically do uh, uh, Shamatha Vipassana or uh, Shine and Laktang uh, Shine, that it's okay to do that. It's just that the, the, what I disagree with, let's say this way, is, is, that, is the, the grasping at it to trying to always make sure that you label thinking, always make sure that you return to the breath. This creates a, a dynamic that is not particularly helpful. It creates a meditator. And then the meditator is always looking for congratulations of being what a great meditator. It's like it's like going to you want to go to Houston, you know, but in southern Indiana, you we find a, a rest area that you really like. And why would I go to Houston? I'm going to stay there. I'm just going to stay there and walk around the rest area, walk around the pavilion and uh, occasionally stop by the, uh, the coffee machine or something. I'm, I'm being silly about it, but I'm saying it's like that to use that metaphor. It's like we get entrained or hypnotized or entranced by, we actually entrance ourselves. So yes, you could say there's probably some less, less suffering, but you're avoiding the very awakening that you were looking for. And I never had a chance to talk to people like Trungpa or Trangu Rinpoche or other people that, because I didn't understand it. I had to practice for a long time before this understanding about this started to show up as if uh, just showed up. I don't know where it came from. You could say, I could say, he could say, anybody could say that, well, you wouldn't have gotten this had you not practiced uh, uh, Shine and Laktang. Well, let me tell you a little secret. I never practiced it very much. I always practiced this. I started out in Zen and I kept doing it. Uh, this doesn't mean that if you're practicing uh, following, the, uh, following the breath or following the out breath for that matter, or as uh, his holiness, the 17th Karmapa, says follow the out breath and the in breath one one and count them two two three three four four he really wants you to get right down and tie that whole thing up into a really tight little awareness knot i'm not against that if you have the the, the help of his holiness that's probably going to work out fine but the way it looks here and has looked for a long time is just observe what needs to uh, if, as as Nagar, or, yeah nagarjuna said uh, some of the some of the best humor is uh, uh, comes out of uh, Tibetan, uh, not only Tibetan but uh, uh, Buddhist masters. Uh, and his uh, his greatest joke is, uh, "You may uh, you may uh, awaken and you may not." 
Junji Valley. There's a question from Judd in Sterling Heights. Yes, Judd. What other practices do you recommend along with meditation? And then as a side note, he says, the negativity is coming on strong. Yeah. Uh, the, the basic uh, algorithm formula here is the Buddha or the teaching person. He's, he's gone. So in this case, all you have is a, a people like me that present themselves as Dharma teachers. Uh, some are good. Some aren't so good. Uh, so the Buddha, the teaching person, what is being taught, uh, everything is dependently arisen. Nothing comes from its own side. Train your mind. Find out who you are. Don't settle for anything. Don't miss your life. Those are my words. And then the Sangha or the community of people like we have here that get together, study together, take uh, the, the Heart Sutra, the Diamond Sutra, all these traditional teachings and go down into those teachings and notice uh, that by studying those together, your understanding, not only your understanding becomes more profound, you may call it confusion, becomes more profound, you may call it confusion. That's for the benefit of the person that said I repeated things a lot. You may call it confusion, profound. And also so that you can connect with your community of people, have a community of people who are not just like you, but are like you enough in that they they want to work with their mind in a in a in a in this on a spiritual path and not just the mundane path of, of something's broken, we gotta fix it, or we gotta cover it up, or we gotta do this, gotta do that, some kind of protocol to fix and possibly even charge money for. Not wrong. I'm not against that. We we need to keep doing that everywhere. I I need I have to go to the dentist yet this week. I think so. We 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 need to address that. It's just that for in your situation, if things are really getting really bad, um, and this is a pretty direct thing you're asking me. So I say join some of these book studies. There's one every. Sometimes there's two a day. There's one every day where you can talk about this material. Uh, I think there's eight or ten, eight, eight of them, seven. I don't know what there is, but I come on the last uh, few minutes of those and answer questions. So you'd be able to uh, talk. You'd have uh, access to uh, students who are really energized and work hard at this and people who facilitate the book studies to get us into the Buddhist teachings, which are, go back 2,500 years. And we, we can't study everything, but we cover a lot. We cover early Buddhist teachings, uh, the Agamas or Agamas. And we, we study uh, Chan teachings. We study uh, uh, Zen, uh, works of Dogen Zenji. We, we study some contemporary teachers like Komenchino, Roshi, uh, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, Suzuki Roshi. And so, uh, but doing it, doing, reading those on your own is a lot different, much different. Even if you're reading the book several times and making a lot of notations to take that book or the, that paragraph or that statement and interact with, uh, eight or 10 other people that are all discussing that material, people that have been practicing for years, some of them many, many years. This is a Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. Refuge in the Buddha is the example of someone who is sane. What does sane mean? No more war. Never fight with anything. There, there, there is no enemy anywhere. If you think there is, it's going to be difficult in some way or another. If you think there's some kind of enemy, some kind of problem, some kind of actual reason to be paranoid. I'm not saying there isn't relative stuff going on all the time. It's absolutely insane. Of course there is, but it's dependent origination. This has been going on in our culture. It's been going on for centuries. It's going to get better and get worse, get better and get worse. Buddha's, Buddha's teaching talks about that all the time. 
I sometimes say, go back and study the Peloponnesian War. They probably thought things were going to get better, too. They did not. That was four, about four or five hundred years before the Buddha. So in your situation, I would just say, if it makes sense to you, it's not, I don't guarantee anything. But you're asking, so I would say, you might want to try that. And I would say, do it in a way that there's a good form there. In other words, do it for a year. Don't do it for three days, eight days, 15 weeks. And, and, and don't judge it. Don't evaluate it. That'd be like if you wanted to get a, a PhD in, uh, in some particular subject and you went in and started studying. And after the first year, you thought, well, this doesn't feel like a PhD. That's funny to me. Maybe not to you. Further questions? A question from Shane in Virginia. Shane. How much of our habits of going to war formed when we were children? Yeah, lots of those habits were formed when you were a child, the way the conditioning causes and conditions are showing up. Dependent origination shows up as your father hitting you or your or your father loving you and protecting you or your mother going this way or that way or being absent or being present too much, being too hovering, uh, all of that. But also past before you were born, this has been going on. You're, you didn't start somewhere and you're not going to end up somewhere. It's always this. And if you don't believe what I'm saying, then congratulations, because I don't want you to believe anything. Use your own mind. You do it. I'll help you. And I will, I will endeavor as much as I can, as I was helped tremendously by my teachers, to not interfere with your karma, with what you need to see. So there's nothing to join. I don't have any followers. I have a, a lot of students, and some of them are very dedicated and devoted to this practice, extremely. And some of them are kind of halfway, but I meet people where they're at. I don't say you should be doing that. Why aren't you practicing more? I don't, do I ever say that to anybody? The only thing I do, the only thing I occasionally say is what was said to me is sit more. <laughs> I don't say you should sit more unless I do, because some people just need that kind of a parental finger pointing tone of voice. <laughs> but it's usually somebody who's given me a lot of permission to um, help them. Chishou, go ahead. Chishou, uh, I want to go back to the previous uh, uh, answer you were giving about body-mind is not a container for consciousness. Yes. And that awareness is, of, awareness is an aspect of consciousness. So I'm a little confused between the... Uh, when, you, when you talk about consciousness in this way, are you referring to the fifth skanda? Form, feeling, perception, mental formation, and consciousness? Or what? Going to give me an either or? (laughs) I'm waiting for the or. I'm waiting to see if that or might help me. (laughs) So uh, it's just a way of talking. I mean, consciousness is uh, uh, like I hear a sound. So there's sound consciousness. I watch uh, Uno's taking notes. She's writing down exactly what you just said. And uh, so I'm watching, I'm receiving, I'm receiving and producing and receiving and consciousness is operating in my, in my, uh, uh, uh with the bacteria in my gut and, and my, my, I have one eye that tends to water more than the others. I mean, just various things are being, uh, interfaced and it's so incredibly, um, subtle. And this happens when we sit down and hold still and watch the mind. It is so subtle. This, the, the, the connection 
of a separate self who can win or lose is extremely powerful. It, it is a, a little tiny paper thin oligarch. When called upon or when threatened, it suddenly becomes an incredibly huge sheet of, uh, of uh, uh, metal, protective armor, you know, cocoon kind of thing. The one of the uh, image that Trungpa Rinpoche used to teach uh, Shambhala. But but consciousness itself isn't different. It isn't separate from anything. It just has this magical ability to be anything, anywhere, anytime. Uh, and so therefore, time and space are, are, are not even aware. Our consciousness doesn't even know about those. Because why? Because it's not separate from them. If you're not separate from from anything, this is why this is why subject and object to the to, to the to the sage, to one who has realized the ultimate truth, there there are, there are no others. And there is no self. There's just, uh, you can use a, a romantic word. You can use an ordinary word. It's just uh, a beige wall. Or you can say it is incredibly blazing reality. So when I say it's just a way of uh, operating in terms of people's conviction or conjunction of the ideas that, well, my brain thinks that quite often people will talk to me and point to, well, my brain is my brain. It depends on who it is. I usually don't say anything to that. I just listen to them because it just tells me that there's a strong body orientation. There's no understanding that consciousness is not, has no locality. The body has a, a temporary and apparent locality and it's impermanent. And we tend to identify that. And we, you know, you just happen to get on the wrong train. There's all those other bodies you could have been, but no. You had to get on this one. <laughs> so consciousness always finds its own form. I've been saying this. I don't know where that came from. I might have made it up. I might have uh, stolen it from uh, uh, from uh, Sham Sotin, great French painter. But simply put, you could just say that rather than uh, things are arising in your consciousness, you could say that that you're arising in consciousness. It doesn't belong to anyone. This is why it's not separate. This is why you can be genuine. You can live your life right up to the time that it ends without any particular. I'm not saying you won't miss, say, oh, I'm, I'm dying. I'm on my deathbed. I'm dying. I won't. I only have, a, you know, two days to live or whatever it may be. I'm not saying you're going to uh, uh, cheer and be all delighted about that you, you have the relative situation of thinking well i will miss things but i'm i'm going uh, this consciousness is uh, is changing forms consciousness always finds its own form nobody's nobody's no one no one is telling me this i i i read a lot of books but anything i know the books don't i don't disagree with them but i i can see this and you can too. If if you're listening to me and I, and you're willing to listen to me, then listen. You can see this yourself. Go ahead, Teresa. Teresa Ballard, thank you. Um, you said that um, awareness can be directed. So, do we have a certain amount of choice at all, Ballard? A little, but we tend to get carried away with it because uh, feeling like, well, I can pick this up or I could actually, you know, I could just use this. 
Uh, you know, I could, I have a choice. I'm using, being, I'm using a little bit of a silly example, but I want it to be very a very a crisp idea of difference. These are different. They're the same because they're both sticks, but they're different in that one is a kotsu, which uh, uh, I get to tap on things with, and the other one is a uh, is the uh, striker for the the gong in the hojo. So, so we have with the but the choice is very uh, limited to the percep the 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 imputation of a perceiver and the imputation of an object. So you're always very uh, kind of materialistic about everything. And we try to do, use that materialism in our mind, but you'll notice you can't decide what to think about. So as long as it's very uh, slow frequency, this is slow frequency. This is decaying at a very slow rate. Your thoughts are de decaying at a highly quick rate, high frequency. Everything that arises, whether it's a, a kotsu or a thought, is, is starts to decay or, or change form or find another form. It's going to find another form. So there's nothing wrong. Firewood does not become ash, as Dogen said in the 13th century. Ash is ash. Firewood is firewood. If you see that, that's another incredible, incredibly funny joke that arises out of those who see the nature of reality. So you... You, you get to decide to uh, go to the kitchen. You get to decide, to, well, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to, I'm going to take a day off work. I'm going to stay home. And, you know, we have those decisions and those decisions are made within the context of the particular relative uh, situation that you're in. Your house, your, this body mind complex that is dependently risen has been brought about by causes and conditions. The two main ones that are are traceable that are in a past before you got here is your mom and dad, that mother and that father. And now we have Teresa, that mom and that father. And now we have Kozan. You can't have Kozan. You can't have Teresa. You can't have Wendy without that particular dynamic. So anything that's happening to you right now is exactly what needs to occur, including coming to this uh, Dharma talk. It's called uh, free and well-favored. You're free to be here. You're free to leave and you're well-favored from this old man's point of view, in that you don't leave. You're well favored in that there's something here that is resonating with something in your human life that is saying to you on some level, I need to, I might need to consider this. You might not ever become a monk, uh, but you might want to sit down, hold still, watch the movement of the mind. In other words, train your mind to see so that you just don't believe your thought patterns because thoughts are lies. They are set, they're stand ins for relative truth. They're just a stand-in, and they're they're there. They have a concreteness that is uh, that is not only engendered by the physical realm that we're in, which physics go into it and try to figure out things by looking at physical stuff. You know, all you're going to get is physical stuff, more physical stuff. So, there's a question. Hakaran Bowie. Yes, Hakaran. Um, what did the Buddha mean when he said he will not be he will not be born from a womb again? Oh, he was just bragging. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I would probably I mean, there's speculation about that. I mean, people have been talking about it forever, but uh, he's the Buddha. He's not he's actually has transcended the, the Bodhisattva function. He's gone beyond the uh, uh, being a relative guy or girl 
or man or woman in a relative world or realm where there are others that are confused and need his help. So he's already done that. He's, he is the Tathagata. And there have been Buddhas before him that have passed into, uh, into the Dharmakaya. He, all he's doing is passing into the, he, he is not passing into it. He's not separate from the Dharmakaya. So when his body mind uh, goes back into the elements, there's nothing left. There's no aspect of consciousness that has uh, an idea that it's separate from things, that it is the Buddha. The, the, so the, the separation has uh, completely uh, is completely burned up by the, the power of uh, uh, wisdom. Akaran bowing. Does that mean he extinguished karma? His attachment no. to karma? No, he became karma. Uh, he didn't actually become it. He's no longer separate from anything. So if you're no longer separate from anything, you can't become something else. So consciousness always finds its own form. And the form of the Buddha is consciousness. And the form that you're finding is a, is a human form or, or the form of your emotions or the form of this and the form of that. But if you, if you, meet, uh, uh, if you meet the teachings uh, in this lifetime and you begin to walk the path, then slowly you're training yourself to... Uh, not go back into hell, not go back into the, the even the human realm or the jealous God realm or any of the realms and the estates of mind. You're, you're training your mind to see clearly what is fundamentally the truth. And, and this is, uh, this is pointed at by uh, Madhyamaka teachings, by Yogacara teachings, and by all kinds of teachers down through the centuries. So by seeing uh, what he was, you could say relatively he vanished, but ultimately he appeared. He appeared everywhere. That's why I sometimes said everywhere you look, the Buddha's Dharma is preached. Everything's preaching the Dharma. And what is it saying? In a, the same thing uh, I repeat over and over and over again. Not because I'm able to preach it. It's uh, I, I talk about what I see. And I, uh, what I see is not separate. Any questions on uh, YouTube? There's Judd's. There's Shane's. I guess. Teresa Valley. Go ahead, Teresa. <laughs> Sorry. Um, why is it that when we begin to sit, hold still, look at what moves, that things seem to get worse and we become more yeah. confused and miserable? So different ways of talking about it, and it, it might be, this isn't always the case, but quite often what it is is, you have been, you know, even if you're a long time meditator, you have been using meditation to, to avoid things, to, to feel better as a, as a way of training the mind to just be present or just be, just be, not have a problem. Or possibly if you're a brand new meditator, it could be a different kind of situation where you've been just covering up your confusion, your spinning mind by uh, just, just out and out ignoring it, keeping busy, cleaning house. If someone just cleans house all the time, their house is immaculate. And it's and they and they uh, they're constantly cleaning. You never see anything out of place. It probably has to do with uh, you know trying to avoid how they feel by just keeping organized. You can't organize the mind is disheveled, but at least I can you know uh, clean the house and put things in order. This doesn't mean that somebody with a, a messy house has uh, has things in order. So it shows up in so many different ways. So I would say when you begin to do shikantaza, sit down, hold still, and do uh, 
longer periods, especially what I call block sitting or long periods, short period, short period, short period, then a long period, then a short period, short period, without any idea other than what? Holding still. You don't even have to maintain it. Just strike the gong. Four hours later. And what happens in that time, even if it's getting up after 20 minutes and going to the refrigerator, having some orange juice, uh, getting distracted by the cover of a magazine, and then, then you then you might remember, well, I, I need to go back and sit. And you say, well, first I have to do this. You know, well, I should put a load of laundry in. None of that is incorrect. It's awareness, awareness. I say it over and over. This is why I say it over and over and over and over again. It's, just, it's a different way of training the mind than has been traditionally done. In monasteries, they usually very macho. Uh, macho is... The macho helped because it got us so that we could receive these teachings. But now uh, consciousness always finds its own form. And the form that is necessary now is a, is a kind of openness that receives who people are, what they're doing, and how they're functioning so that they can be so that they can become fundamentally sane, not browbeaten into sanity by some kind of a stick, but actually see. So that way you you strike the bell. And at eight in the morning, and then four hours later, maybe you didn't sit at all. You probably feel kind of silly, but I wouldn't think you were silly if you if you said, uh, "So, Gazan, I I started a block sit last and uh, last week or something, and uh, I didn't sit at all." I said, and I would say, "Did you strike the bell?" So yes. Did you strike the bell four hours later? Yes. What happened? Um, I watched a movie. A four-hour-long movie. Well, it wasn't totally four-hour. I ate something, and then I I, th I thought I really need to get some more exercise. So I did manage to sit about the last ten minutes when I realized I was missing it. I said, "Okay, that sounds good. Awareness, awareness, awareness." Now, do another one next week. Do another one next week. Do another one next week. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Without the repetition, without the repetition, you will continue to think that those forms are always the same. Nothing lasts. Nothing is the same. You can't repeat anything. If you think you can, uh, <laughs> this is why we suffer. It's because we keep thinking we can do something as, a, as an independent being. I'm not saying you can't make uh, strawberry shortcake. Of course you can. But you'll never make it the same way. And you'll never, uh, meditation will never be the same. Uh, boredom is just a way of... Uh, uh, it's an arbitrary kind of uh, knee-jerk way of thinking things are the same. Kevin Bowing. That's Kevin. Kyokuzan, do thoughts sometimes hide in the body? Bowing. Uh, everything is uh, uh, everything is uh, for rent all the time. Everything is for rent, so you can. But but there's always a price to pay somehow for that. So yes, I would say so. The body mind are not two different things, as I, as we said earlier, not separate, not separate. Boy, they sure look separate. It looks like how can this be not separate from a thought? Look closely. <laughs> look closely. I ask because when I sit, particularly in 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 block sits, I have this intense feeling of like needing to get out of there like fast yeah but it's not because of any troubling content per se it's this sort of like deep yeah. body kind of like electrical arch yes. bowing what do you do with it 
Do, do you do anything with that? No, I mean, I sometimes writhe around like a worm. Yeah. But, but uh, other than that, I just feel terrible. Uh, go ahead and feel that way. Uh, the feelings, there's no, no one feeling that. The imputation that there's somebody who's having that feeling, that's a, that's a huge uh, uh, area, uh, an incredible Dharma gate, that you're being provided with this Dharma gate so that you can see that the feeling can, is, is, a, is a rung jung. A feeling has its own, uh, uh, its own past and future. There's no one there. There's no being there. It's just that, that illusion is incredibly intelligent and all-pervasive and rigid and, and wants, wants to be there, wants to, insofar as there's the, the desire part of that comes in, it just wants to stabilize itself. And uh, what you're doing is destabilizing that and, and, and all of the, uh, it's, it's like it's degassing or off-gassing. The very thing you're working with, instead of just uh, just giving getting its, uh, uh, its stability from you uh, uh, running away from it, so it can always be that issue that will come up every time you sit still in a room. Instead, you're sitting there and you're going to look at that and look at that, and your intention is to see what it is. I hope, insofar as I hope anything, it's the best word, that, uh, the best W word there is. Is what? Why words are circular? What words? Stop. What is that? And, and you could say by your attention, you can insist. You don't have to insist out of aggression, but you can insist that, and don't settle. Anything that shows up, ask what that is. Something else shows up, ask what that is until nothing shows up or until there's no one less at, left to ask anything. Oh, it's a, it's a, uh, thank you for, for sharing that because that's a, that's a dynamic. Everyone has their own version of what you just described. And I would say, don't torture yourself. If you need to get up, oh, go go have lunch or go, don't, don't, don't meditate today. So I, I don't say, well, sit down and meditate anyway. Some teachers, including Trungpa Rinpoche would, of course he was trained in the Tibetan monastery where they beat the daylights out of him. So he got that kind of training. You can't expect him to suddenly be this great humanist when he comes to the West. I think he did a pretty good job considering how he was treated. Kevin Bowing, yes. when I when I do avoid meditating, it's specifically to avoid the the, the uh, abrasion of that energy. So is that still awareness? Yes. And obviously, I get into browbeating about not having sad because I wussed out because I didn't want to go through the Dharma gate and blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. I just, whatever's happening there is uh, appropriate. Uh, just don't abandon it for something else. But if you do abandon it, just be aware that you're doing that. It's dependently arisen. Don't, don't fight with the, with tree bark. I mean, tree bark has been around for centuries and centuries and, and the mind and the qualities that arise in the mind that look like little temporary, little, uh, little, uh, little widgets. It's like tree bark. It's being supported by an incredible momentum of karma just like the, the leaders in our country that are so uh, strange and confused and are dangerous. It's, there's nobody to blame for anything. It's just incredible momentum of human beings trying to find happiness in odd kind of ways. One of them is controlling other apparent human beings because they think they're real, they think they need to be in charge, and they think they, other people need to obey, commonly called slaves. Been around forever. 
read the Peloponnesian Wars. Or not, or don't, you know, even, even Wikipedia, that's all I've done. I didn't read a book on it. I'm too lazy to read. Isn't that what we do to ourselves? We see, we see something, I'm too lazy, I can't do that. I, I shouldn't, I can, I can't. Yeah, you can. Go ahead, ask your question, please. Maria Belling, I can relate to Kevin's question about the hidden thoughts in the body, and I would say that perhaps even hidden emotions are more um, accurate word for, for it for me. And I'm wondering whether we do we need to know those thoughts, those hidden thoughts or emotions which are in our stored in our bodies? Um, yes. So, so thoughts and emotions are very different. Uh, but have a, but still the same. It's a, s a similar, we can differentiate it because it has a different kind of shape. You know, um, a, a table has legs and a chair has legs, but two completely different functions there. That might not be the appropriate image to use relative to thoughts uh, and emotions. And I don't want to get into uh, some kind of uh, elaboration on that. Uh, but I can say that it is important to just continue to look at it without any addition. And that means no, no judging it. If the slightest movement towards or away from that just prolongs the time when you will need to see fundamentally what that is. And when I say the slightest movement, I'm saying if you're having an, if you've been sitting there, everything has been fine and suddenly you have an intense kind of an emotion, no comment. If you even say, there I go again, or here it comes again, or why am I feeling this way? It's not helpful. It, it, what it does is that's what, that's what the ghost of the ego feeds on. And if you're, uh, if I were to take that a step further, which I don't often do this, but that's what spirits feed on. Confusion, intense pain, suffering. Don't, 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 uh, uh, don't feed them. There are other ways to feed the ghosts and that's not one of them. Thank you. Have one last question, then we'll close. There's one on uh, on YouTube. Someone can read it. Uh, I can't read it. There's two questions on YouTube. One is from Andrea. I'll take both of them. Can Andrea asks, can motion such as walking still be considered thought when you aren't conscious of the command to move bodily? Yes. Yeah. Just very low levels of it. There's communication going on that, that our ego mind has doesn't have much say so about, but if you begin to observe that, then, then a different dynamic starts to take place, especially if you don't do it, do it as a, uh, if you do it uh, from it's uh, the radical perspective of holding very still. So there's as little movement as possible. So you train your mind to see the, fundamental movement that of the mind just going after that and shutting down on that going after that and shutting down on that or 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 uh producing thoughts of boredom i'm bored i'm bored we actually have to produce that you you, you can't feel boredom or have a, a state of boredom without commentary because you wouldn't know what it was and so that's a very subtle that's the where we train ourselves and that's why i don't teach people to do walking meditation because uh, 
I think if somebody wants to do walking meditation, they can go ahead. But I don't don't do it as a form other than in, out of respect to the Soto lineage. We do it once a month, maybe as a, an actual formal part of it. But it's uh, uh, not necessary. Uh, meditation and action needs to show up, uh, as I would say it, in a natural, spontaneous way rather than trying to be mindful while you're cutting, uh, you're slicing carrots. Don't do that. Unless, unless, unless you're sitting there cutting carrots and suddenly just spontaneously you start to see orange, you see uh, the knife and then, then you notice you've got your finger. Hopefully not, but I'm just saying unless the, unless the awareness is happening just uh, kind of naturally. But yeah, thoughts are operating uh, in different ways and different levels. Final question is from L.O. I've had a fraught and estranged relationship with my father. I found out he's not well and I'm about to call him. I'm facing fear and apprehension about our history. How would you advise to approach? Thank you so much for that question. I had a, a my, my actual biological father was killed in World War II when I was only four. I had a very difficult relationship with a stepfather. It wasn't horrible, but it was just really difficult. So, um, so I can speak from some experience there, and not only that, but also being a meditator. Because I would say uh, there's something that I often say, uh, uh, it's called a 90-10. It's kind of a rule, but it's just kind of a guideline. Receive or listen 90% of the time. Uh, uh, is it, uh, it going to, I can't see where it's going to be on the phone or is it face-to-face? Um, well, let me talk about it both ways. If it's on the phone, then just listen to the receive, not just what he's saying, but listen to the tone of his voice and whether his voice goes up or down or if there's gaps between his words. Okay, phone. Yeah. So he said it's on the phone. So if it's uh, if it's in person, I have different ways of using the senses. But if it's in if it's on the phone, then just receive and ask ask questions. If he slows down and doesn't say much, or ask how you're doing, then very simply respond. Yeah, I'm doing good. Things are going. You know, I mean, lie. I'm not kidding you. The, the, the precept of don't lie is about observing lying. It is not about maintaining something where you have some kind of idealism where you never, where you speak the truth constantly, even when you hurt people. This is a misunderstanding, a, a huge one. So what I'm saying is you're not actually lying. You're looking at that he can't, he's not ready for you to, he's not the father that you may have wished you had the ideal father or something. So you can't really uh, necessarily uh, um, confide in him or tell him how you're feeling. And that, that actually might trigger something in him where he can't look at that. And then when he sees it in you, I'm not trying to get too psychological here, but that might be part of the trigger. Your chemistry is such that when you're genuine, uh, he has to be mean. He can't stand it because you're, you're just too abrasive to him because Perhaps, this is just speculation, perhaps he can't do that. So you're kind of a constant reminder that he, there's uh, something wrong with him or not. Maybe I'm totally, uh, uh, maybe it's a totally different kind of situation. But here's something I'm very sure of. Receive. Just receive. Don't produce, uh, produce a little bit, but it, it needs to be uh, uh, low. And you if, you if there's something he wants to know, uh, make him drag it out of you. In other words, what's going on with you? So, so what's happening? Uh, I see you're 
L-O. So what's happening? Um, how are you doing? And, and then you can then you can respond, but keep it very short. 90-10. 90, receive, listen 90% of the time uh, and uh, and talk or ask him questions or whatever, 10%. You don't have to write it down or anything. And then keep it short. Keep it sincere. Keep it short. I wouldn't uh, just from what I'm hearing here, I wouldn't talk to him any more than 10 minutes. Or just a guess. Maybe less. Maybe more if some if, if you can see where I'm missing something about your dynamic that was more workable that you could talk for half an hour, an hour and talk about the family or your mom or your, your job or his job or his health or whatever. Yeah. And I, and, and, and the other thing I would say, uh, the, allow the fear to, to come. Don't, don't push down the fear. Allow the fear to be, when I say allow, just look at the fear, look at your, you're afraid of that situation because it's, it's not, not been particularly, uh, helpful to you. So just insofar as you can uh, do that. And then, uh, of course, I'm going to say what I say to everyone, train your mind, train your mind. So that the very things that are arising there uh, about him or about yourself, maybe down on yourself and maybe uh, a judgment of him because he was, uh, because he suffered so much. You don't know what his causes and conditions were from uh, the 13th century. You don't know what's happening or what brought you two together, but you are not two separate beings. It just looks like it. And it creates lots of suffering in the world all over. So train your mind. Are we going to do something else now? We're going to dedicate the merit from the monastery, I think. There's lots of monks there monking around. penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Sangha families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light. 